Yes, yes. Omega Watts in the house. Now, now let me set the table. Now, now, now let me set the table. Invited to the banquet. I'm glad that you could make it. Invited to the banquet. I'm glad that you could make it. And these are questions I ask myself when I question myself. Well, table family, how we feeling? So good. Uh, quick poll of the room. When Isaac mentioned Olive Garden, how many of you guys started thinking about breadsticks? Okay. Y'all can talk back. It's cool. You can talk back. Okay. Sweet. Okay, good. I'm not the only one that loves carbs. That's very encouraging. Okay. Well, hey, um, Isaac mentioned my name's David. I serve on staff here at First Orlando. Um, a few things you should know about me. I am married to my wonderful bride, Samantha. She's here in the room tonight. She's incredible. Um, I married up, y'all. I married up for sure. Um, something else you should know about me is I am from Orlando. Any other people like actually from Orlando? Okay, like no one. <laughs> Super cool. Well, y'all are the faithful remnant. I'm so glad you, you stuck around. Well, hey, Isaac mentioned that we're in this series, um, Best Advice I Never Got. And over the next few weeks, we're going to take a look at the book of Proverbs. Um, tonight, we're going to take a look at Proverbs 16. Proverbs 16. So I'd invite you to turn with me there now. And while you are doing that, uh, I have a quick question for you. Have you ever had to choose between two really good options? Anyone ever felt that before? Okay. Well, when I was 20, um, I had a very similar, I had a situation where I had to choose between two really good things. On one hand, um, I received a scholarship to play baseball at a school in Missouri. Um, but on the other hand, I received an admissions letter from UCF letting me know that I had made it into their business school. Go Knights, charge on. I see you. Um, two really good options. And I had an important decision to make. Let me tell you why this was important. Um, since I was like four years old, my dream was to be a collegiate baseball player. I trained, I worked, I practiced, I played in tournaments. Literally, you could describe my life as three things, church, school, and baseball. That was it. It's pretty lame. But I had this decision to make because I, I started to feel this desire to go to UCF and to start my education and just kind of start adulting a little bit. And I was taking note of that, and I was like, what am I supposed to do? In the middle of all that, I began asking this question. What if I make the wrong decision? I don't think I'm alone in asking that question. I'm sure many of you have asked that before. Maybe you're even asking that tonight. And here's the reason why decisions are scary. At the root of that question is fear. Okay, at the root of that question is fear. The, that, that question is scary, and we ask that question because decisions require commitment. Oh, no, the C word, commitment. And commitments can be incredibly Scary. You see, decisions set direction for our lives, for better or worse. Our lives are a series of decisions that we make over time that lead us to the face of Jesus. Our, the decisions we make in our 20s affect our life in our 30s. And, our, and, in the, and the decisions we make in our 30s affect our life in our 40s. Decisions set our direction. Some of you here tonight, maybe, uh, maybe you've been dating someone for a while and you're at that point where you either need to break up or you need to start a ring fund? Anyone resonate with that? Okay. You know, maybe the, the, for you ladies, you got a Pinterest board, right? And you've got, you're trying to drop some hints like, hey, if I were to get a ring, here's what I want it to look like, right? But maybe some of you here are on the other side of that, and um, you know you may need to break up with someone. Maybe it started off really well, and you were really excited about it, and you really liked them, but then you went on a few dates, and you were like, this person's a complete dud. Oh, my gosh. What have I gotten myself into? But you're wondering, will someone ever love me like this person loves me? 
and you're wondering, should I settle? Maybe you were here for our sacred work series, and you are one petty email away from quitting your job, right? You just, your boss is just horrible, and you're like, I see Bethany giving me a whoop whoop in the back. You're just like, you're just ready to walk out, throw the papers in the air, go to HR and be like, I am out of here. I'm not even going to put in my two weeks. But you're wondering, should I quit? Is that the right decision to make? At the root of this question is fear. And I want to I relieve some tension around that question tonight by looking at Proverbs 16, verse 9. Before we jump there, I'd love to pray for us. Jesus, we love you so much. We're here to celebrate you tonight. I ask that you'd help me be helpful and clear and teach from your word. Give us ears to hear, eyes to see, and a heart that is ready to receive whatever you'd have for us. We love you. In your name we pray. Amen. So Proverbs 16, verse 9, I'm reading out of the ESV if you care about things like that, but here's what it says. The heart of man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. One simple verse tonight. The heart of man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. Let's focus in on the first half of that verse. The heart of man plans his way. Um, This word heart, this isn't like Valentine's Day, like you go to Target and pick up a card heart. Like it's not really that. When the Bible uses that word, it's really talking about our gut, okay, our, this, this thing inside of us that acts as our decision-making engine on a micro level and on a macro level, right? That our hearts, this decision-making thing inside of us, um, this is the thing that helps us not eat the whole thing of cookies when we're sad, right? My wife will tell you I'm not the best at that. Um, this is that thing inside of us that helps us decide to quit a job or stay there and stick it out. This is that thing inside of us that helps us decide to walk up to that person and ask them to coffee, This is normative. To be human is to make decisions. Let me prove it to you. Go to Genesis uh, 1, verse 28. Here's what it says. It says, um, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the sea, over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. I want you to notice how many verbs are used in this text. Be fruitful multiply, fill, subdue, have dominion over. To be human is to move and produce. To be human is to make decisions. To be human is to make plans. Here's what this first half is saying. God has given us agency. We possess this inside of us. This is normative for all human beings at all times and all places. But Oftentimes when we start talking about like planning and decision making, sometimes we like over-spiritualize and over-moralize that, and it creates this weight of right and wrong, and, and there's a place for that, right? There are right and wrong decisions, but oftentimes we're really dealing with things that are like just wisdom and discernment and life management, all right? The Bible is saying here it is normative to make plans, to be human is to make plans. God has given us agency, all right? But the first half of this verse is tethered to the second half in a really interesting way. Go back to the text. Here's what it says. The heart of man plants his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. While humans possess agency, we are limited. God is unlimited. But we are limited. No matter how wise and discerning and responsible we are in our decision-making, we have limits on our perspective Humans can really only live moment by moment and serve the moment in front of us. God is in a completely different category, right? 
He's the one that can establish our steps. We cannot establish really any of our steps. But we do possess agency, but we're limited. Okay? Now, here's the thing. When it comes to decision-making, I wish I was not limited. I want to be honest with you. Like, I wish I knew all and could be all and was all-powerful and all-knowing, but I realize I am not. When I start thinking about things like that, I play the what-if game with my life. You ever played that game before? Where you're like, what if I chose this college instead of that college? What if I asked this person out instead of this person? What if I went to McDonald's today instead of Wendy's? How might my life be different? See, that was the game I started playing. I ended up deciding to enroll at UCF and to kind of set my life on that trajectory. I said yes to that trajectory and said no to the thing I've been dreaming about like for my whole life. And it led me to start playing this what-if game in my head that wasn't really helpful. Because here's the thing, I started to regret a decision that really wasn't regrettable at all. It was just simply a decision I made. My fear is that often we play this what-if game in our lives because we wish we had God's abilities when really we have access to God himself. We are not responsible for the what-ifs and the only-ifs in our lives. We are only responsible for the right now. And so the title of this series is The Best Advice I Never Got. And considering that while we have agency, but we are limited, how do we decide and plan and navigate all of that? The best advice I never got when I was 20 that I want to give to you today is this. Make plans with open hands. Make plans with open hands. We possess agency. We, we possess this ability to do that. That's not a bad thing. In fact, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. God is a creating God. He's, he's a God of purpose, a God of initiative. He can move things just with his mouth. And he's created us in his image and has given us some of that, some of those abilities to make plans and to set direction for our lives. That's not a bad thing. It's a beautiful thing. But we also must do it with open hands. We must make plans with open hands because we know that the Lord establishes our steps and we are limited in our perspective. So I think the best way to illustrate this is to talk about tight ropes and zip lines. Okay? Anyone ever been on a zip line before? Okay, all you crazies like me, cool. Um, anyone ever been on a tight, tight rope before? Okay, one. Any gymnasts in the room? Two, Scott? Okay. Cool. Those are the athletes in the room. Love it. So, tie ropes and zip lines. What does this have to do with decision making? Oftentimes, I think we um, place decision making and navigating God's will for our life like a tightrope, where we begin on the journey and we take a really precise step and then another step, and then another step. And it's really scary because we know that if we fall either way, God's going to smite us if we make a bad decision. And it's terrifying. Our, it, it really does rest in our ability to make a good step and to make a good decision on where to place our feet and our security relies in our own ability. I don't think that's what decision making really needs to look like. I don't think that's what Jesus wants for us. I think this is more like zip lines. Did anyone go to our winter, uh, did anyone go to our winter retreat? Yeah, oh, someone, y'all knew where I was going with that, cool. Um, I was on the retreat, and we went on a zip line, me and Sammy and a few other people, and it was awesome, okay, it was awesome. But we showed up at the zip line, 
we got our harness, we got our helmet, and we made the trek up like the 100-foot tower and our quads and everything hurt. And we got there, right? And the guide, he takes our little harness here and he takes a carabiner and he hooks it to us, right? Now, to enjoy the zip line to its fullest experience, I've got to take the leap. Or else I'm just a guy with a weird stuff on my body, right? I've got to take the leap. But along the way, as I take a step, the harness helps me to get to the other side. The character of God is our harness. The character of God keeps us secure when we take the leap and we move. And then we get to the other side, right? We readjust. We go, okay, I'm going to go this way now, right? And the guy takes the carabiner and he takes it, puts it on our harness, and then we take off and we make the leap, then we land on the other side. And they would do it over and over and over again. This is what decision making looks like. We can make plans with open hands. We can go, go across the zip line, and it's really chaotic, and it's crazy, but we know that we're secure, and we know that we can move forward, and we don't have to fear, because God's with us, because God is with us. Now, um, as I mentioned, family moments, um, I want to be honest with some people in the room tonight, Okay? I think there's some of us that are following Jesus and we're trying to make the best decisions that we can. We're trying to be wise about it. But I would imagine there's some people in the room that are just kind of checking things out and you know, not really sure about this Jesus thing and this church thing. And I'm so glad you're here. But I'm wondering if some of us have never really experienced the fullness of God. and have never really experienced the character of God. And you don't have a harness that's helping you get to the other side as you make decisions. And I want to be honest with you. We live in a society, we live in a context, in a time in history where you can plan your way into a wonderful life. You can plan your way into getting everything you've ever wanted. But here's the thing, we're all going to meet Jesus one day. We're all going to stand face to face and look him in the eye. And my fear is that all that we're going to have for some of us is a really good plan. And all of us are going to have a really good Excel budget. And all of us are going to have a really good calendar. And Jesus is going to look at us and he's going to go, yes, you got everything you ever wanted, but I never knew you. You see, I think even in, in the danger of this series is we can help you become wise beyond your years, but spend an eternity in misery. I think it's possible to win at life, yet in the end lose your soul, and I don't want that for you, and I don't, want, I don't think Jesus wants that for you. So let me implore you, let me exhort you, let me challenge you that, that the best decision you could make tonight is to begin following Jesus. He is king over all, and he is our harness that helps us get to the other side. I want that for you, and so does Jesus. So we're going to have a connection lounge in the back with some safe, friendly, incredible people that are ready to have that conversation with you if you want to. If not, cool. Let's drink water. Let's drink coffees. Let's, let's hang, all right? But I think that's the best decision you could ever make. Now, speaking of decision-making, let's start to get practical, okay? You may be here like, and you're saying, okay, David, I know I need to make plans with open hands, but I really don't have a model for making decisions. I don't have a model for making plans. Help me out. Because I think often we, we wonder, like, am I making the right decision? Because we don't have a model for decision-making to begin with, and fear fills the gap. I think we can make better plans 
when we ask better questions. So how do I make plans? I think we can make plans by simply asking these four questions. First one is this. Should I do this? Should I do this? I think, um, I think there are some decisions that the Bible speaks to very, very clearly. I think there are some decisions that do involve morality, things like our sexuality, things like who we marry, things like our finances. I think the Bible speaks clearly on those things, and I think it's always helpful to come to a place where we're consistently saying, God, what do you say about this? God, do you have anything to say about this? And open God's word, sit at a table, and go, God, speak. Should I do this? Should I move forward, or should I not? I think that's a helpful starting place. But second, ask the question, can I do this? Can I do this? This is really a, a question of season and timing and context. And honestly, if I could be real with you, I think that's a lot of the decisions where we ask, like, did I make the right decision? This is where a lot of our decisions make. There's really no morality or, like, sin or doing right or wrong involved in that. But I think there's wisdom in asking that question. So let me give you a personal example. Um, I got married in 2019 to my wonderful wife, Sammy. I've talked about her a little bit. talk about her a lot. Um, and we got married, and I finished uh, my college at UCF, like, a couple weeks before that, and I really wanted to go to grad school, okay? But as you can imagine, it may not be the best decision to make to, like, be married and figure that out, but also, like, trying to learn Hebrew, right? It's just not the, those, those two don't add up sometimes, right? So I made a commitment to myself and to Sammy, like, hey, I want to do this. I think I should do this. I think I need this for where I want to go in life. Um, but I'm going to wait six months, right? I'm going to give, I'm going to give myself and give Sammy like a head up, like I am going to start this in January, not in June, right when we get back from our honeymoon, okay? I'm not saying no, but I am saying it may not be the best season to commit. I think this could apply to things like moving jobs, right? Okay, yeah, you hate your job, you hate your boss, you're one petty email away from quitting it, right? But if you want to quit your job, will you lose financial security in doing so? Is that the best decision to make? Or do you maybe need to like wait a little while, do some interviewing, set your boss up well for a transition, and then quit your job, right? Now, third question, do I want to do this? This is really a question of desire. And before I go any further, I wanna kind of make this qualifier. Obedience always trumps preference. Obedience always trumps preference. I think desire can be both good and bad. It can be both a vice and a virtue, but not always. I think sometimes desire can act as a catalyst for commitment and a catalyst for decision-making. Let me take you back to my, my story of Missouri or UCF. My, like, desires, like, what I was really wanting to do was to just kind of start adulting and to go to UCF and be a business student and work a job and be a part of a ministry and start dating. That's what I wanted. And I don't think God would smite me if I chose the other way or chose that. I don't know how it all would have worked out. But at that moment when I go, should I? Is there any, like, moral thing? No. I could choose either. Um, can I do this? Yeah, I can do either or. These are both opportunities available to me. Do I want to do this? Yeah, I want to do UCF. And so I went for it. Desire 
is a great indicator of where God may be leading you sometimes. Sometimes I think God often speaks through our emotions and speaks through our desires and uses them as a catalyst to help us move forward in life. Finally, who can help me with this? Who can help me with this? Elsewhere in Proverbs, it says that there's a wisdom, there's wisdom in a multitude of counsel. There's wisdom in a multitude of counsel. Um, In life, I think teachability is the only shortcut. If you want to get ahead, uh, if you want to really make a good decision, my advice to you is find people who fear God and who have a track record of making good decisions and go talk to them over and over and over again to set yourself up well. Now here's how I kind of want to steer you towards. Don't meet with someone if you don't intend to take their advice. Okay, if you're going to seek out their advice, act on it. Steward their time well as well as yours. Okay? But I think we often need people a season ahead of us to help us navigate the season in front of us. And there's a lot of great leaders here at the table. Isaac and Dana and Britt and Thomas and Cole and like everyone. They're all really capable people who have been there and done that. And I think will be very helpful for you as you navigate whatever season you're about to enter. So four questions. Should I do this? Can I do this? Do I want to do this? And who can help me with this decision? Now, I have one more question for you. Is there a decision you need to make that you've been putting off? I think this may apply to everyone almost at all times. My encouragement to you is this. Make plans with open hands. Consider these four questions. Navigate them. Steward the decision-making process well, but move forward in confidence knowing that the Lord is going to establish your steps. He's got you. Don't fear. Go for it. Go for it. God is the harness. The character of God is the harness that will help you get there, that will help you move forward with a decision that you need to make. Don't put it off any longer out of fear. Don't put it off any longer because you're scared of making a wrong decision. I've been there. I get it. I now, I've lived a lot of my life in right and wrong, if you know me well. We have no reason to fear because God is with us. The same God that led the Israelites through the Red Sea, the same God that raised Jesus from the dead is available to you right now. Make plans with open hands. Ask these questions. Steward the decision-making process well, but move forward. Go for it. Do it. Do what you think God is telling you to do. As I was preparing for tonight, I, uh, sometimes I read my grandfather's sermon notes. My grandfather was a preacher in rural Georgia. You know where Baxley, Georgia is, which none of you do. It's where he spent a lot of his time. But I was reading through his notes, and I was just kind of trying to come up with some inspiration for tonight, and really try to land the plane well. And I came across this poem by a lady named Ruby Clowers Ross. Ruby Clowers Ross. It's entitled this, When Jesus Comes Into Your Heart. It goes like this. When Jesus comes into your heart, you feel a change take place. A warmth within glows brightly and shines out from your face. His love will never fail you. And if you just let him in, all you need to do is trust him. A new life to begin. When Jesus comes into your heart, he soothes the way your cares, and each step you take is lighter 
and there's no more despair. And when you wake up in the morning, you can hear him gently say, fear not, for I am with you, and I will lead the way. Jesus will lead the way. Make plans with open hands. You can trust him. He will establish your steps. Let's pray together. Jesus, we love you. Father, thank you for your word on decision-making. Help us to make plans with open hands. Help us to steward the decision-making process well, but Father, help us not to live in a constant fear of decisions and commitment, but Father, help us to move forward knowing that we have agency, but knowing that you're good and that you're there and you're ever-present in time of need. God, we believe that you can do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. We believe that for those that love you, good things happen. Jesus, thank you for tonight. Thank you for the band. Thank you for the table. God, I pray that you'd bless their ministry, help them to reach more and more young adults and raise them up to follow you and leave a legacy of a life that is for your glory. We love you. In your name we pray.